You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and we've got an unusual episode now uh, in the second of these Edinburgh Fringe podcasts recorded live at the Gilded Balloon as we have two guests. Uh, In a moment we'll be hearing from Alexis Dubas but let's start off with a tiny bit of stand-up and then a short interview from flaneur extraordinaire Marcel Lucan. Just need a little bit more applause for the levels, apparently, and the actors. You are too kind. <laughs> well, well, here I am, first time on this podcast. It is, of course, an absolute honor for you to have me here <laughs> today. It's bizarre, as always, to be in Edinburgh. You, give me a type of fruit. Not verbally. I've been here three weeks. It's almost impossible to find fruit in this town. It's just... It's a little joke. You can stop thinking of fruit now. What that was, was the initial joke. There will now be two more. Bon. Learning a lot of English phrases at this festival as well. All the media parties... I used them to learn English phrases. Last night at the media party, I learned the phrase, uh, if your ears are burning, someone has been talking about you. Hmm? If your nose is burning, (laughs) you (laughs) have been talking about you. (laughs) Far too close to my face, far too quickly. It's time that you left. I don't give a shit about your show. Came here via various English towns as well. Newcastle, playing the shows there. <laughs> wow. It's entirely different species. Who is stealing all of the northern English girls' eyebrows? It's, it's the most bizarre theft I have seen ever. Huh? To add to the ignominy of the theft, someone has drawn the crime scene above each eye. It's, you wipe it away, no expression at all. It's terrifying. Wake up next to one of these girls, she rolls to her back. Her pillow has an attitude. It's no good. Well, anyway, you can only have so much of a good thing. Uh, I will now talk to a lesser being, and you will have to just, well, hope that there is more of a split of me to him. Merci. Marcel Lecon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Marcel. Do, um, do have a seat. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for uh, consenting to an interview. You're welcome. Uh, how has your, uh, your fringe experience been going? You've been not doing quite an unusual show this year. Not too shit, actually. It's uh, Marcel Lecon à la carte. It's a show where there is no venue. I find the concept of a venue quite passé. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> little bit cliched but uh, you know you must bid for me uh, it is over now so don't even try but you bid for me for one hour and you get okay. a menu sent to you you get a bespoke marcel show at a time and location of your choosing 
And how many of those shows have you done? Ten shows. Ten shows. What sort of locations did you end up in? Uh, mainly lounges. Uh, mainly there was the McEwan Hall. I was booked by the Underbelly staff to play to 100 persons in a 1,000-seat venue. Is that, <laughs> was it's that, nice to know what it feels like on the way down. Sure. Was, why did they book that situation? Was that some sort of punishment? Was it a joke on their part? Was it for the staff themselves? They were the 100 people? The last three, four years I played Underbelly. Mm-hmm. This year... I play no venue and they, are, uh, they want me back. Okay. So they say, we want him back at Underbelly. We don't want him to leave. So they paid for an individual gig? They paid for me. That's how to get them. Oh, no, we have to pay all these venue costs. No, no, get them to come to you. <laughs> they can Very pay good. for me. You're something of a fringe stalwart. You've been coming here for how many years now? Uh, this my fifth year now. Your fifth year. And how would you say uh, audiences, how, how has your approach to audiences changed? Do they, are they, are they this, you find them the same as you found them five years ago? Sure, I still look down on any crowd that comes to me. Um, sure. I treat them with as much disdain as I always did. That has not lessened over the years. Don't okay. worry, they still okay. get, you know. Super. Treat them mean, keep them keen. They, they still come. <laughs> they still come. Um, although, although now they, you're going to them rather than them coming to you for your a la carte menu. That seemed to me to be to put you in a sort of low-status position that I wouldn't normally associate with you. No, not at all, not at all. I go, I view their decor, I comment, I comment on their friends. I, no, because I, <laughs> I, I write for them a review after each one. So I review each crowd after each show. I see, on, I see. on the website is a review of each crowd. Very good, very and good. So, some of them have got three stars. Okay, so you've been you've been doing uh, you've been doing comedy uh, for the last five years at the Edinburgh Festival. Well, all of my life, really. Let's um, well, let's look at the starting point. Where are you from? Uh, Roubaix. It's uh, northeast. You know, uh, you know Lille. Uh-huh. I'm not the, not intimately, but I'm, I've heard of it. Okay, the <laughs> suburb of Lille. Uh, okay. Roubaix. And where are you actually from? Well, okay, I was born actually in Lille, the hospital, and then the parents moved. <laughs> the and where are you actually from? Oh, Buckinghamshire originally, actually. So, um, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alexis Dubas. <laughs> so, I mean, the first... Yeah, it's going to be quite... <laughs> Everyone what, carefully watch Alexis's face as he stops frowning and becomes himself. It's really nice to have that off. Yeah. Fucking, you wouldn't believe what that smells like. It's kind of vinegar and feet as the month has gone through. I, I think the front row can believe what that smells like. You probably like. can. It's quite a small room. So Hello. Uh, we, we can't start with anything other than who believed, as I know a lot of people do, because you go to great lengths to ensure that Marcel is a, a believable, coherent character. Hands up who thought Marcel was actually French. Don't be, don't be shy, don't be embarrassed. Incredible! You're idiots! How can you possibly... <laughs> I, I come at this as someone who's known uh, Alexis for several years, maybe eight, nine years. And I, when you first told me, I think it was about a year ago, I, I said, you've been nominated for this award for the best character act. Well, you've got to put it all over your posters. Oh, and you yeah. said, no, I, I can't do that. I can't let them know I'm a character act. It's, it's something that I wanted to do from the start. Because Marcel came for about... I'm sorry if anyone's freaked out by now, uh, by the way. I'm sorry if that's... It's a bit weird. You, a bit wait, weird wait another five minutes till I ask him where he's really from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to start peeling off my skin yeah. um, from out of space. Uh, no, it's, it started basically where I, was, I, I, I used to run a character and sort of, well, an experimental night in London. And I wanted to... Exper- the, the idea was no straight stand-ups. And I wanted to just experiment with uh, being a compact being the worst kind of compare mm-hmm. um, that I could be, as in like someone who didn't give a shit who was on next, okay. who didn't want to inject any energy into the room at all. It's like, well, you like it or you don't, you know, <laughs> whatever. You know, I really didn't give a crap who came on next and just wanted just there, take the money and leave sort of thing. And it kind of worked. The, the antithesis you, of a compare. Was it French? Did you do it with the French accent? It was French, yeah, the attitude came first and I, I had the suit and I had the roll neck from some sketch stuff that I was doing I just kind of tried it out and then I just started writing jokes and taking them out to the circuit but I never wanted to I never wanted to go I'm playing a character or Alexis Dubas as Marcel Lucon and it seems to work and it's amazing how many more French people are coming to the shows now and seem to not (laughs) know and I do speak a bit of French I'm not fluent but I can speak enough I can hold enough of a conversation if I'm heckled in French which I am now frequently (laughs) Um, is, is that because the French are angry with you? Possibly, <laughs> yes. Yes, how dare you? Well, if they provide a few more of their own on our circuit, then maybe there wouldn't be a problem. Sure. 
But it's have, weird that there are no French impersonators or French acts on the circuit. Sure. Whereas you've got, I mean, I, I can't think of any German impersonators, but certainly Henning Vane kind of cornered the market on being the German standard. There was one at the same time as Henning. Yeah, I, th- I think I remember. Who was that? Oh, it was um, Helmut. Yeah, that's Mark right. Blake Mark did Blake. A, a German character called Helmut. Do you? Yeah, I remember that. And he, and it, he was doing this German character just as Henning Venn came on the scene. Henning, some of you will know from Radio 4, he's kind of on the way up. I'm, I'm really pleased to see lots of you nodding because Henning's been brilliant for years and he's really starting to break yeah. through now. Yeah. And we had a wonderful, there was a wonderful gig a few years ago when I just started doing Marcel. We were doing um, a gig in Leicester Square and uh, there were a group of girls chatting throughout and kind of conferring and I was on the same bill as Henning and they were conferring about one of them's got to be a character act. <laughs> he came up to us afterwards and went, definitely Henning that, there's no way anyone would put on that crap accent yeah. he's got this weird if you've heard Bjork being interviewed you know it's like that she's developed this kind of London yeah. sort of it's hybrid Frankfurt and, meets Tooting isn't yes, it yes it yeah. is and it's his little cockney phrases so they went yeah definitely the Frenchman yeah it's really strange that's incredible. Yeah. So you, so what point was he French? When you started, let's go back to the, the very beginnings of Marcel, you were experimenting with the idea of an unpleasant compare or an ineffective or a high status compare. A, yeah, a very high status compare who was louche, nonchalant, womanising, went, uh, 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 French. Yeah. Um, and I, but I am a bit of French myself. My dad's side is French. Um, uh, he can't speak a word of it, really. Uh, he, he can a little bit, but it's, yeah, I've never really lived out in France, but I do have sort of French, the face, the, the, when the hair's down, suddenly somehow you I look do, a bit French. You do, yes, you look a bit French. I you look a bit French. Do you know, I've just realised who you've reminded me of uh, oh, for crap. our entire friendship. Are you familiar with the uh, uh, dead meat cartoons? I don't think I am. I'll show you a picture later. Please do. Oh, I'm familiar with Steve Buscemi, uh, yeah. though, as a lot of people have uh, yeah. Yeah, made me aware of. Yeah, excellent. Oh, good. Oh, that's sorry just fall into it's place the there mentally. I've got to get back to the actual interview, which I now notice I haven't put my pad on the table. So we'll just free wheel this one. So um, to start, so you, you, got, you put it together, you went, right, I'll try it. So had you tried doing high status, but not French, and then one time you tried it French and it all fell into place, or what? what no, was not really. I wanted to do, I, th- I figure if you're going to do a character, you might as well do something that's so far removed from what you normally are on stage. Before, sure. before Marcel, I was doing five years on the circuit of just quite silly, energetic sort of stand-up as me. And there were a load of jokes that... I started to write that didn't really work. It didn't work as me that well. And I, but I revisited as Marcel, and suddenly they they struck. Or most of my first Edinburgh show was stuff that I'd culled as me because it wasn't working because I was sort of giving it in a positive, energetic style. Sure. But as soon as these dark, you know, bits were put into the mouth of of, of Marcel, you know, I wanted to just try something so far removed from what I was what I was doing. Sure, and it seemed to work. Were you were you not happy with what you were doing? Was it was it successful? Were you you know pre Marcel? You no, were not really. I was treading water a bit. I kind of it was when I started to run a club. It was when I started to run this comedy club before we started doing the experimental nights. It was just a stand up club. It was falling down with laughter in London. We ran it for me and Cy Thomas. Ran it for six years, mm-hmm. and it, um, I started to think of myself as a promoter. And I was there just being you know I, I quite enjoyed my stand up, but I was essentially a white middle class bloke in a t-shirt sure doing Hi, observations <laughs> if you can oh, imagine the horror of that uh, but I was you know and I, and I sort of I didn't so I, when, I thought as a promoter why would I book me against sure other acts it wasn't that cynical that I went I need to have a an angle to get booked but I started doing Marcel as an experiment and I took him out onto the circuit and I started really enjoying it and the mm. crowd seemed to start really going for it there was a weird moment where I had to explain to promoters going look I know you've booked me to do this lovely high energy sort mm. of stuff that will get your crowd a bit pumped but what I'm going to do is be a miserableist Frenchman who might try and shag your wife sure is that alright and some of them said, yeah. And some of them went, uh, well, we'd rather you didn't. Because you, you must have been in uh, demand as a compare prior to Marcel, mm. because you've got that, as I have, we both strike a similar note in kind of warm, friendly. You yeah. know, you're a good opening act, you're a good compare. And, and late further down the line, that can be a bit of a millstone, can't it? Because Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I think, that, I think that was a factor as well, that I was kind of, you know, I could easily get a crowd riled up and I knew to pull all the switches and that sort of thing. And it's, it, you know, it's, you, can, you can do it. You can make a very, very reasonable living out of it. But, uh, you know, my soul wasn't getting fed, however wanky sure. that sounds. It's like I, I, I wanted something that I, I would want to go and see. I wanted something that, if, if, you know, especially doing the first Edinburgh show as Marcel, I thought I want to be doing something that yeah. is interesting and it's a bit is... different. And, like, and trying to basically, trying to do an hour of, of, of being superior and calling an audience idiots for an hour and, and pretending to hate an audience. And, and for the benefit like of the it. listener, there's an enormous amount of glee on Alexis's face at the moment. <laughs> 
So it's interesting. I just want to look a bit more closely at that idea of having an angle because I think that's a lot of a, a lot of comics struggle with that, and you see when it clicks. People really can start to take off because I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but it's like finding one's voice. You, you're saying in comedy, so and so, oh, he's really found his voice. Or say someone like Josh Widdicombe, who many of you will know from the TV. I interviewed him on this show last year, and he was talking about he felt very lucky to have found his voice very early on, almost immediately. Yeah, you could place him. Audiences could go right. We know, we get you. We know who you are. Yeah, we know how you'll feel about things. Well, Rod Gilbert's, Rod Gilbert's an interesting example of that because he used to do sort of quite sort of not not bouncy, energetic stuff, but he certainly used to a lot more sort of, oh, you know, cheery kind of stuff. And then he got a bit bored with it, you know, went away out of think and came back as miserable Rod Gilbert, which suddenly sells DVDs across the planet. Sure. And Mark Watson's an interesting example. He's kind of an anti-Marcel in that he yeah. started off. Mark Watson originally, I remember, was um, started out about the same time as me and was doing pretty much a Welsh character act. He had a big bobble hat on and he had, like, you know, big baggy clothes and he was a bumbling Welshman. And he was just... Oh, mm. Yeah, and then he, and he sort of weaned... He, he gradually... He took yeah, the he rode it away over the years, yeah. Until he was just a bloke in a T-shirt with a Welsh accent. Yeah. And then very gently yeah. took the Welsh accent yeah. out and everyone was going, oh, you're not Welsh? Yeah. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone remember pre-accent... Mark Watson. Do any of you know who Mark Watson is? Yeah, you do know who he is. Okay, fine. Mm. So, so, yeah, so it's interesting. He found his voice by losing his voice that he put on, I sure. guess. To, 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 I suppose he was nervous and, and sort of gradually became him and was happy being him on stage. So do you think, do you think that part of you then is channeling, like part of Marcel is channeling you or things that you find you'd like to say? Almost definitely. It's very cathartic. I think I can remain a nice bloke by coming out with, I hope, by coming out with a load of darkness and a load of kind of, you know, berating people. You can put all the id out there and yeah, kind of I use it in so. a different way. There's okay. a fair amount of ego as well. Um, There's a yeah. huge amount of ego. Well, let's look at some of the tropes of, of Marcel because um, I noticed one and I, I, saw, I read a review in Fest and it said, because I try and re read as many reviews as possible, some of them positive, some of them negative. Um, and uh, one of them said this is, uh, it was a, a negative part of an otherwise positive review. So there's a danger that this is one joke stretched a bit far. It, I mean, it kind of is. Without, without, without putting on a beret and onions, it's <laughs> and arriving on a bicycle. Friends. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's all the stereotypes there. I've got the roll neck, I've got the soup. I've had people come up to me and just go, look, we've met Marcel's. There's always someone that comes up to me and goes, I've lived with a Marcel. I've, I've, I've known a Marcel in Paris. These people do go around just sipping like flaneurs. This wonderful what, French what term of flaneur. It was, I think it was co coined by Baudelaire. And it was... Um, Essentially, it can't be translated into English. It's such a French concept. A flaneur is someone who, for a living, strolls, observes, writes, uh, I see, cocks okay. a wry snook at life, you know, sure. and there are, it's amazing. Sort, sort so, of a git. With that I, sort a of git reasonable... is the closest yeah. the English comes, I think. Yeah. Okay. So Not you... a git, which is no, very, very different. Very different. It's a small cottage. So you're, um, so, <laughs> catching up time, good work. Um, I love your crowd. Yeah. Can't do that in late in life. <laughs> So there. Uh, so let's look at then some of those those tropes of Marcel. You're violently, or not violently, sorry. You're extremely sexist and womanising. Yeah, and yet the more I apply that, the more I put that on, the more the crowds go for it. And, and you mean crowds being of both genders? It's not like the men are going. Whoa. Yeah, that's always the worry, isn't it? That that, that you start that I will start to get an audience of people going, yeah, right, women, oh yeah, women, you know, and it's sure. it, it's it's all done with a bit of a wink and a smile but I, um, there's, there's that, there is that constant fear that I'm going to be seen as that, because especially when people don't know it's a character mm -hmm. that I'm going to be you know a, pro, pro, a proponent of misogyny or sure um, it's, me it's not meant to be misogyny so it's, it's meant to be just um, uh, hatred of life I suppose just not, just not a nihilistic character there's meant to be an absolute hatred for everyone and everything and just a, a disdain rather than hatred just sort of uh, Life is shit, but we continue, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. It's not meant to but I mean, but then with that, I think has to come that kind of casual misogyny that that, that kind of character would have. Sure. But I don't, yeah, um, it's a tricky one. It's, it's weird, because I was, I don't think I was ever that fanciable either as a, as a straight stand-up. And as mm. Marcel, I've had female comics come up to me going, do you know what, I didn't, and feminist female comics, and, and who should know better, <laughs> coming up to me and going, and going, we didn't really fancy you before you started doing Marcel, but I, yeah, I, I would. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want you to. You shouldn't. Name, it, no. Immediately name no. all of them. No, yeah. I won't, I won't ask you that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So do you do anything, uh, do you think that Marcel is the butt of the joke? 
or not? Because it's not as simple as like, if you look at someone, someone similar, say, Zella Al Murray, the pub landlord, and that's, a, I interviewed him last week, and yeah. that's an interesting kind of, there's, there's parts of each other in, in each person, you know? Yeah. It's definitely coming from him rather than being like a, a role he's playing. Yeah, you know, I think that's it's very different in that respect, comedy characters to traditional acting, in that you do it night after night, and obviously over time, it, it does become an expression of yourself. Sink through, yeah. Um, so it's clear with the pub landlord that he is an idiot. He's the butt of the joke. And Al on this show was sort of saying, oh yeah, if people agree, if, pe- if I find audiences cheering on the pub landlord, going, yeah, sock it to the French or the Germans or whatever, then that's fantastic because they're idiots and I'm happy to take their money. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, there is what, that, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I don't but know. I think he's more clearly the butt of the joke than Marcel is. Yeah, you know, I think he is. I'm, I've never been sure. Someone actually said to me, like, does Marcel get as many women as he says? Do, do, is, is he this great womanizer or is he actually a, a joke? Is he, is he a complete failure that's just putting on bravado? Sure. And I still don't know. I think in my head, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think he talks the talk. Mm-hmm. and walks the walk I think he I don't but I don't know it's, it's, it's interesting yes it's not like we're not laughing at look at this pathetic Frenchman who thinks he's a sex object yeah because one of my favourite acts on the fringe was always Priorité à gauche yeah did anyone see them back in the day they were a great double act a French double act who did um, folk rap French folk rap and uh, it was, and obviously they were the butt of the jokes, and they were all the sort of you know words and phrases you'll learn in trickle or uh, in GCSE levels, and they they threw all those in, and they 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 were playing the idiots, and they're playing sure. the buffoons. Whereas with Marcel, no, I think I want him to be superior. I, I just really I like the idea of this this completely impenetrable high superior character. Someone once said Marcel can technically never die. I can disprove that okay. on several you mean, occasions. You, we're it's, talking die in the sense of the, the comedy Sorry, sense. yes, on stage, can never, can never, yeah, I've been booed off. Um, Have you? Tell, yes. tell us about that, because I, I always think of Marcel as someone who's absolutely bomb-proof. For, for exactly that reason, I remember you doing Comedy in the Dark, which was a sort of a, you know, a, a, a theme show, which was just that. It was stand-up comedians, but with the lights off. So the compere would come on, the lights would come on, and then they'd go, please welcome your first act, you'd walk on, and then psh, total darkness. Yeah. I remember seeing you absolutely demolish that room. And I'm well, sure... I didn't I'd... see it. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, <laughs> And I remember, I definitely saw some shapes moving. I remember because sure. what you did at the time <laughs> was you said, now I would like to do my mime act. I did a minute of mime, yeah. It was so <laughs> lovely. And you do could you just hear the little noises in the dark. <laughs> oh, this is gold. <laughs> yeah. You people have no soul. <laughs> this is my best one. Yeah, so yeah, just that for a minute. It's ridiculous. So do you, this is a separate question now, do you think you would have the freedom to do things like that? That's a very inventive approach to a challenge. Do you feel more free to do that when you're being Marcel than, it, than when you're being Alexis? Because you do still do stand-up as Alexis from time to time. Yeah, I do. It's, it, um, yeah, very much. When the mask is on, there's certain parameters, certain things are cut off, and, but, so it, but also it's very freeing. Like I, 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 can, I can say pretty much anything as Marcel, as, as, as outrageous and offensive as I mm. like, and people just go, oh, he's French. Sure. Come on. That's what they like, isn't it? So, so I can get away with a hell of a lot, and doing set list is wonderful for that as well, because I've done set list as me and kind of enjoy it. Set list is where you have to, it's, it's basically they give you a load of improvised lines and you have to go out and uh, pretend that that's your routine and, and do what, whatever so they throw So you basically to have to nonsense. make up a 10-minute comedy yeah. set completely on the spot at someone else's suggestion. On lines yeah. that are given to you, which is just absolute nonsense. You've done mm-hmm. it, haven't you? Mm-hmm. It's just stuff like uh, Romantic Tomb or um, Prostitute Voucher or something, or just like, which was wonderful for Marcel when I got that. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, and, and so for that, I, I immediately just switch into Marcel and go, right, I know what the parameters are. I, I know what, what he'll, and he'll have an opinion on this and it'll be this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, very, it's a lot more definitive. When it's me, um, yeah, I, I'm just plucking stuff from the air and going, oh, and it's, it's, it's bewildering. With Marcel, yeah, having the mask on really, really helps. And that's, so you talk about parameters, is that, because what, what the podcast is preoccupied with is people's kind of creative process. Do you think there's an advantage then because you can do less because it has to be yeah. Marcel, actually you end up being able to produce more. It's like being asked to, you know, write an essay on anything. Exactly. It's quite difficult. Whereas if you yeah. go write an essay, you know, on this specific... Bricks of the 20th century. Exactly. Yes, there you go. It's slightly limited. Yeah. I yeah. don't know why I came up with that. I'm doing set list <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't sound like an easy uh, no. essay to write. But I think the, the fact remains, once you know the sphere you're working in, yeah. in, in much the same way as I think, uh, and I'm... I'm I, I'm quoting him here without having heard this directly, but I believe Mark Watson's attitude towards the Welsh voice he was using was that it just made things funnier. 
and it was quite yeah. difficult for him to, you know, he could say a search engine or you could say Google, you know, and it's yeah. just, just natural elements of it are funnier. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, there was, well, I think it was one year where, I think it was 2010, I did my second Marcel show and I just found the word piss really funny in French, piss, the piss. See, it's just like, sure. and, and my agent came to see the show and she just goes, there's a lot of piss in it, isn't there? And I suddenly <laughs> realised, I just, like, it was quite childish, but just there, there was a lot of piss in that show, or bizarre, I like the word bizarre in French, I say that sure. quite a lot when I'm Marcel. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the, the French accent, I think, does give me a little bit, I think, when I do kids gigs as Marcel which I've just started doing which is just mental that that works and these are, this is the, with does. The, the, the club the stand up comedy club for yeah. children the comedy club for kids it's called I just as opposed to kids parties on a free oh god yeah, yeah 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 I, I, yeah I, I come on and just abuse the kids and like, mm. who knows what patronising means <laughs> good <laughs> and I love it and it's so I think it works on some level because the kids just find the French accent funny yeah and then the rudeness and there was a kid shouting out you're mean Going, you, you are me? Then who is, who is you? Who are yeah. Existentialist crisis in front of the children, which the adults are just going, they don't know, it's, you know, it's just ridiculous. And so, yeah, it's, it's strange how I've made it work in, in, in all of these sort of situations, comedy in the dark and kids club. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a fairly flexible character. For a, sure. a one-joke character, there are certain parts that I really enjoy taking it down, seeing how much mileage, or as one review said, kilometrage. Nice. Uh, I can get out. That's got to be Bennett. Was it Bennett? It was Bennett. It was, it was Bennett. Steve Bennett. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It was. Um, so, oh, so let's get back to this issue then. Of what are the times when it doesn't work, and why doesn't it work? The times when it doesn't work is if there's a low energy room where low energy meets low energy. Weirdly, when it works best is rowdy nights. Yeah. So that okay. I've got something, they can be shouting stuff at me. And it's again, like drunk late night crowds are quite like doing a kid's party. They're just, they want it to be about them. They're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and you've just got it. You are, if you fight fire with fire, then they throw it back twice as hard at you. Mm. But if you just go, okay, I'm just going to stand here and you're going to listen to me or whatever. And, you know, mm. and, and just suddenly... They're, they're kind of trying, trying to focus in on I you remember and they're the stopping first and it just I, yeah the barrier is put up I remember the first time I saw you do that at the store I think oh yeah and it was rowdy and there was like please welcome show, your next yeah. act the midnight show please welcome your next act Marcelo Cotton I remember thinking oh this is going to be interesting <laughs> how on earth are they, are they going to even listen to him and of course exactly that happened because you just came on and didn't say anything for ages yeah I just and took the room it. kind of went oh and kind of focused in yeah I think it's. I watched um, Late in Life for years when I was uh, first doing stand up. I managed to get a pass for a couple of years when I was coming up to Edinburgh and just watched Late in Life. And it was a fascinating experience. This is when it was back down on Cowgate and it was a fiver to get in. And uh, you got all the dregs of Cowgate just wondering, oh, a fiver, oh, great. Yeah, I'll come and show some abuse. I hate my life, so I'll come and fucking just throw it at the. This crate. is his real accent, by the yes, way. Yes, it is. This is. Uh, but it's. Um, yeah, so that was fascinating. I just sat there in awe. I think Daniel Kitson was the regular compare one year. And again, I was going to go, oh, how's this going to work? Seeing this sort of cerebral kind of clowny, buffoony type guy coming on and just being an absolute, mm. the best and worst late in life compare because he was mm. impossible to follow. Mm. Um, but just to hold an audience in the palm of his hand and just to see what crowds did and what the acts did to repel those crowds or to kind of ingratiate them. I saw Dan Antopolsky just sort of dying on his ass, and then suddenly seeing a bald bloke in the front row and licking his head and going, oh, I wonder what you taste like. Mm -hmm. um, and giving a little wine type description of the guy's head. <laughs> I'm getting, oh, I'm, I'm definitely getting salt. Um, I'm getting, you know, lovely. And it was great. And just watching things like that and just go, and, and, so, and people just doing, yeah, standing stock still and, and, and kind of just going, right, I'm not leaving until you've shut up or whatever, or just taking the abuse. Sure. All these different ways. And that all filtered in. And I, I just wanted to, I suppose, yeah, I, I, was ha I, I hadn't done Late in Live by the time I started doing Marcel, but I felt that, that was, I was developing a, a, a Late in Live ready or a rowdy okay. crowd ready character. So when I okay. did that first Late Night one at the store, I think I was ready. I didn't expect it to be quite as as it was. Sure. But I think, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I went, oh, okay, I think I know how to deal with this, whereas I wouldn't okay. have been able to as me. So this is Alexis Dubas. Uh, I thought for the sake of subterfuge, I'd preserve Marcel's integrity in the title of this podcast and the opening few moments. If we can convince just one casual listener that it's just the one person, then I've done my job. Uh, welcome back as well. Thank you for uh, for sticking with us. And uh, you'll be aware, as I'm, I'm aware, that I've received lots of um 
bullying emails and uh, tweets saying, come on, where the hell are the podcasts? Well, I'm sorry, but I've been working very hard recording them all and uh, and also being at the Edinburgh Festival and trying to enjoy not doing my own hour of stand-up and uh, have all the fun that that, uh, that entails. So I've done that now. I'm back. I'm on the case and I will be releasing these at least every two weeks, if not weekly. I've got hundreds to get through. And the thing is, even though they are a sort of a, a documentary moment, um, rather than sort of topical chat. They do tend to feel of their time. It's going to be a bit weird talking about the Edinburgh Festival in January, uh, as we were last time, uh, in terms of the release dates. But uh, I'm rambling now. The point I'm making is I'll bloody put them out when I want. Who knows in what order? It's going to be quite good fun. Um, I Normally, I would save my thank yous till the final blurb. I'm just going to go through some thank yous now, and then we'll get straight back into it, because I wanted to highlight the work of a few people who've made my life so much easier over the last few months. So, huge thank you to Anthony Butler and James Gordon from So Television for their production work, to James Peggs Lowie and Pete Jones for their technical support, to the Gilded Balloon and everyone in the press office there in particular, for constantly saving my bacon. Um, Louise, my excellent flyer, who is so effective, I'm deliberately concealing her surname so she doesn't get poached. Um, and, and of course, to the ComCom skivvy Ben Lund-Conlon for his marketing and marketeering. And I've no idea of the difference between those two things or if the second one is even a thing. Um, but also for Ben's help with Twitter. He's worked very hard for no money at all on my behalf. So everyone give him work. But don't steal him. I need him. Thank you all. I've got some terrific episodes in the can ready to go and I'm just going to sit here lording it up and drip feeding them to you every so often. Um, I've got nothing of my own to advertise this time. Just some. Uh, I've got some forthcoming live specials in the Midlands and London, but I don't yet know the precise details of them. So before we get back to Alexis, here's details of the forthcoming tour, which he will mention by the end. Um, Marcel Lucant is on a UK tour in the autumn. You can get all of your details for that at www.marcellucant.com. Alexis, as himself, is doing his show Cars and Girls, Alexis Dubas, Cars and Girls, every Tuesday night at the Comedy Cafe in Hoxton from September the 17th to November the 26th. That's every Tuesday night, so do go along to that. Uh, and he'd also like me to plug the Comedy Cul-de-Sac podcast, which he describes as a fairly sporadic, brackets, six episodes in two years. That is pretty sporadic, dude. Um, it's a podcast that he does with the lovely Paul Sweeney, of whom I don't see enough, uh, about how comics survive terrible gigs. So Comedy Cul-de-Sac, have a look for that. That's enough advertising for now. I shall return you to Alexis Dubas. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I mean, let's, let's talk about your own, your own stand-up as yourself for a while, because you did a couple of sort of interesting concept-driven shows, I'm afraid neither of which I saw, but you did the, the ruddy brief history of swearing. Yeah, that was my first ever show was, was just a comedy lecture about the history of swearing, which went down remarkably well in Scotland. Who'd have thought? <laughs> um, it was a free fringe, I was standing on the street, and a free show about swearing. Oh yeah, oh, oh, and all the flyers <laughs> left me in half an hour. It was the easiest show to fly in the world. And it was a comedy lecture. I did one the following year called A Surprisingly Tasteful Show About Nudity that was a similar sort of thing. And you were naked on stage in it? Uh, at the end of it, I, I stripped down. It was all about being comfortable in your body and like, mm -hmm. why, why do we bother about nudity? And I stripped down to a naked suit, mm -hmm. uh, which was, had featured in the story. And uh, it was just like, come on, what's the problem with nudity? Blah, blah, blah. I stripped down to a naked suit and got a boo. It was like, oh, you know, boo, oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's chicken out. And then ran around the corner, stripped off the naked suit. And as people were leaving the venue, was just standing there bollock naked, just shaking people's hands. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. And so when you did those kind of concept 
shows or those kind of thematically driven shows. Yeah. Was that an attempt? I mean, what, was there a reason why you hadn't done, right, I'm going to do an hour of stand-up of stories or the normal stand-up that I do in a club? I just thought I'd be lost amongst it all. I, again, it was that thing of before I'd, I'd come up with Marcel, I was just thinking, oh, I'm just another bloke, just, just with observations and little jokes and kind of, I didn't think I was particularly anything special. And it was something I just really enjoyed sort of Dave Gorman shows. I really enjoyed... Um, yeah, just sort of the interesting shows that, I, that I'd been to see uh, up in Edinburgh. I can't remember sort of any particular examples. But yeah, things like Dave Gorman, things that just like caught the imagination, people doing something a bit different, and you learn something. Sure. And I found it really fascinating. I remember it was a year, I, the, the year that I came up to Edinburgh and was going, I really want to do a show up here. It was a real controversial year. Frankie Boyle and Jim Jeffries and Joe Sadovitz. And it was all, it was seen as been a very outrageous year and a lot of people swearing and cussing and the blue language. Mm. And I thought, well, no one's actually done a show about that. I thought it'd be really interesting to okay. look into why we swear and where all the words come from. Sure, sure. I think, what, I think what I'm getting at is, is there, a, is there a part of you that feels like you just being you wasn't enough, but this, this, this weird thing you've created has sort of been more successful than you have personally? It, it has. My, uh, yeah, I'll hold my hand up. Marcel is more known than I am and more successful sure. than I am. My, my, my own Frankenstein's monster. Is, yeah, sure, but yeah, how, do you creator. how do you feel about that? Are you fine with that? Or is part of you thinking... Because presumably... Uh, well, and we could talk more about this in, in a second, but I, I certainly came to stand-up from the point of view of wanting people to know me and to love and approve of me. Yeah. I think that's a fairly common yeah, rule to stand-up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, what, I, what I've noticed is that... I don't know. The, basically, I, I, what I've really enjoyed now is Marcel having his own trajectory and, and people sort of coming up to Marcel after gigs and kind of wanting to have a photo taken or a boob signed. It does happen. Um, uh, that sort of thing. And um, as me, I actually now really like dwelling in this little kind of... Staying Marcel. No, as me, the as me you. shows. Okay. Like I did a, I did a uh, show this year, my first spoken word show. It was just a little mm. 45, it was a 45 minute long poem on the free fringe. Mm. And I didn't do any advertising for it. I just kind of wanted to try it out and just see if it worked. And I really enjoyed doing it. And it was lovely. I was getting about 15, 20 people mm. sort of along each day and, and, and really enjoying doing it. And I'm actually mm. really enjoying, as me, just dwelling in this little mid range kind of area. And as Marcel, going off and doing, you know, tours around the world and, 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 sure. and stuff like that. And him becoming... Because as soon as I put a hat on or glasses on or whatever else and move my face, as soon as my face starts being animated or whatever, and normal clothes, so many people don't recognise me as Marcel. It's, yes. the, it's the Clark Kent thing. Sure. You're, you're always looking at that going, oh, it's just Superman with glasses. Everyone can tell that. Yeah, yeah. But they can't. It's, it's, it's strange. Can I, I need to ask you a question in secret now as to whether, <laughs> I, can, whether I can ask you about another thing. So don't take the mic down there. <laughs> Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> nope. Not to worry. Good. Um, there are other projects. There, is, there, are other, there are other projects that you have, and they, we don't want to spill the beans on all your other projects. No. That's absolutely fine. Oh, so frustrated. Oh, it's sat there with their arms folded. Um, I'm actually Frankie Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> so where I've you? been working on for some years. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's talk about the other, some of the, your more public projects then. The, the output of Marcel, I've always thought to be... Um, because you've done, you've got, you've produced your own book. You produce actually. That's that's the thing. I wanted to publish the swearing show as a book, and there were no takers. And then Marcel gets his own publishing deal. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, well, we, you've got the book. Tell us about the book. But yeah, tell us about that, and then I'm going to sort of lead that somewhere else. So, tell us about the book. Uh, well, the book is uh, what we French think of you, British, and where you are going wrong, uh, which uh, was a lot of fun to write, especially being a Brit. And it's so funny reading the reviews on Amazon. Like, how dare this guy? Genuinely, blah, 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 blah. people are yeah, just taking it on face off. value. I did a, for the Guardian. I did a. a, 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 a uh, critique of British films versus French films as Marcel the bile I got off that there were my mum was calling me up that day just, just going have you seen how many comments there are yeah. have you seen more comments there are since lunchtime on this and sort of you know more Daily Mail style comments in the, in the, mm. in the, in the, in the you expect from Guardian readers of you know sending him back home if he doesn't like British films that sort of thing and, and it was a complete like tongue in cheek it's so stupid it's, it's yeah. was it, do you think it was obviously joking yes yeah. I think. <laughs> and is there but part of you... To intelligent humans, yes. Is there part of you that would you... If you had your time over again, because the cat's out the bag now, if you Google yeah. Marcel Lucon, you'll eventually get your name very quickly. What about page think. three, I think, yeah, sure. but still. Yeah. Um, continuing the breasts theme. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, is there part of you that would have liked to have just given birth to Marcel secretly and no one know your name? Yes, obviously. That would have been great. Um, but... 
Obviously. And why is that? Is that just a, in a sort of delightful Darren Brown? Is that what what, so. what what in you does that please? Why would that? Because I get the instinct that you'd like that, but why? Yeah, it's just fun to watch to, to set things off and watch them unfold. Mm. Like the Andy Kaufman thing, I always loved the um, uh, Tony Clifton thing that Andy Kaufman used to do, mm. which was his lounge singer character, whereby he just put on the prosthetics, the nose, and the wig, and he'd just be an asshole, and he'd come on and he'd disrupt. When uh, Kaufman, if you've seen Man on the Moon, is a brilliant mm. film. If you haven't seen it, and it's a great insight into all that, and the uh, Lost in the Funhouse is a, is, a, is a great book as well, all about. Kaufman and, and Bob Zamuda, his friend. And he just started passing the Tony Clifton thing on to Bob Zamuda. And so he would go in and, and start being Tony Clifton. And he, he turned up on the set of Taxi Driver when Kaufman wanted to leave uh, the series Taxi Driver. He sent Bob Zamuda along to be Tony Clifton and just get thrown off set and be a complete arsehole. And he so sent he him onto interviews. separated him from... Yep. So he'd send Clifton onto interviews and everyone's going, oh my God, we've got Andy Kaufman. We've got Andy Kaufman. And he's going, oh, is he going to be Clifton? That's fine, he's going to be Clifton. And Bob Zamuda would be there being Clifton, being a complete dick on TV interviews. And Kaufman's just there watching the telly and giggling to himself. So I love stuff like that. <laughs> What kind of elements of stand-up are there that you still consider to be intangible, that you still consider out of your reach? What things are there that you want to get better at doing? Um, I don't know. Something... I, I still think with, with Marcel, there's still, I feel the need to put in a lot of gags and to write a lot of jokes. And when I go and see someone like... Um, Tim Key, or I went to see Simon Munnery yesterday, mm. his film show, which mm. is excellent. Um, just someone, it's people skating on the edge of, of, of comedy where it's stuff that's just shouldn't work but does, but they make it work so brilliantly. Um, so I, I, I would like to do something just... And what, what, is it, what is it about that that attracts you? It's the danger, the danger element. Of, of, of doing something so like Tim Key's wonderful show the other year where he just had a bath on stage mm. just running a bath for the whole show and swishing it about just going who doesn't have a bath going, who doesn't have a bath and just swishing about the foam pouring more bubble bath in halfway through and then diving into it halfway through lovely absolutely shouldn't work but just, just why is that happening but I love it just inventiveness and kind of yeah I, I think I want to push myself a bit more I think because I, 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 doing Marcel on the circuit obviously I think it's become eroded a little bit in that I have I suppose I naturally try and make him fit into stand-up nights I want to be uh, you know headline I want to be booked as a, I want to get as much mm. money out of him as I can I guess so I don't mm. want to be the weird uh, character novelty act in the middle so much I actually want to be doing you know headlining spots and I think I could, you know I've built myself up to the stage in certain clubs where I am doing that sure and so and is there with, do, you, do with, you feel like there's a danger that you might finish Marcel that you sort of because you've done so much you've done poetry you've done the book you know we there's an it, album it, coming out as well there's a music yeah, okay, there's a, yeah. Viva Lucant is out in September the music album oh fantastic it's ridiculous okay. he's got a publishing deal he's got, anyway yeah so I'm jealous of him uh, so is there is there a is there a danger that you've done everything you can with this you know is, is the character rich enough to do for another five years do you think let's find out I hope so I hope so. I want to, yeah, I want to try and make it a bit more weird. I want to try and put more production values in. I want to add filmic elements. Um, and I want to, yeah, I, th I think there are ways of taking it, definitely. And um, there's, there, I've never snapped out. People, someone always said, oh, it'd be really funny to, to just snap out of character, to be doing, you know, at the end of a gig, to be doing, and thank you very much for coming. You've been great! You know, or whatever. And then, ah, fooled you. But that's too clever, clever. No, the, the, that's the, a terrible idea. The, exactly. The closest I've come to it was last year where I started in the show, I was doing English jokes. I did an English character yeah. uh, as Marcel. I started so doing you... character comedy as Marcel. Okay. As an, Engli as, as, as an English What bloke. was the guy's name? Did you get, get I, them to, you I, got them to I played the around name? With, I played around with a few names, but the one that seemed to stick the most was Jeremy Trousers. Okay. Um, <laughs> just two quite English things that seemed to go together. Jeremy Trousers. And, it was, and I just did five English jokes for, the, for those who found the show too, too friendly. It was called Gallic Symbol. I was okay. going to clues in the title, but you know, just like for those who wanted English jokes, I do things like um, uh, it was, I'll try and do the French. I, it was a French. It hurt my head. Okay, quite a lot. Go, was, go, take uh, your time. Go into it slowly. <laughs> what is the difference between? No, so what was it? Uh, no, what what do you call uh, what is black and white and red all over? A British steak, hideously overcooked, and ruined further by ketchup and mayonnaise. Um, so, so it was it was better than that. So I did have to, but you know. Anyway, okay. So and that was fun to play with that. That was a little for those after 
four years of doing Marcel shows, that was fun for those for those in the know. That got a laugh yeah. for me just doing character comedy. Sure. For people that already knew that, I, yeah. What sure. I was doing. When you write Marcel, how do you write? What's your What's your process? Do you sit down and do you like write in an office? What does your writing week look like? I'm fairly complacent when it comes to writing, actually. I Don't worry, to... everyone gets freaked out by the phrase writing week. 90% <laughs> of comics go, what? In a week, I'd normally do nothing. That sounds like a, that sounds like a job. Yeah, sure. What? Um, no, I guess I, I, I just think of, I, I look around and I, I, I'm a flaneur. I stroll, I observe, I write. Um, I, I kind of look at things and go, oh, how would Marcel see that? And I'm constantly just sort of seeing things and oh, what would his angle be on that? So more from walking around rather than sitting down and writing, I find that I'm not very good at that. I'm very good with deadlines in that uh, if one's coming up, I will be there the night before scribbling furiously, mm-hmm. coming up with some stuff. Um, and that does seem to be the case for mm. almost everyone I interview is that you go, oh, I don't know how to do it. It's too difficult. I don't, I don't want to do it. I'll procrastinate. I'll do something yeah. else. And then you go, Christ, I've got to do it. And then you work incredibly hard and it's brilliant. Yeah, I am lazy. But set list is an unmitigated joy for that very mm. reason that I can feel my brain working on stage. I feel yeah. my brain coming up with all these things and I just wish I might employ the team to just bring a crowd to my house and just give me a load of things and just have to <laughs> oh shit and then I'll, I'll write a whole show out of that that would yeah. be amazing um, so when, you're, when you make a note of something you see okay you look at a lamppost you think how would Marcel see that then, then do you make a note of that and take it on stage do you make a note and then take it home and unpack it and brainstorm and write it will tend to be quite scripted, Marcel, okay. but, and then and because I have to, if I'm floundering on stage, it takes away all the sort of the superiority sure. of, the, of the character. So it has to be fairly fully formed when I take it up. But then I'll I'll try it out. I'll try something out and try something out and just oh hello play about with oh, it. On, some beautiful French music to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, the, Le Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'll so I'll play about with something on stage, but it will be quite tightly scripted. But I think. Um, in terms of the writing process, it's just kind of, it's just trying to give a topper to everything. It's trying to sure. go, I can push that a step further, especially with Marcel, I can do this. I can just right, push that that little bit further and just try and eke as much out of it as I can. That's very vague, isn't it? It's very waffly. Um, I don't really have a process. That's, that's, that's the problem. I kind of, if I come up with a concept, there's, cer- there's certain things I'll have a lot of fun with, like the 50 actual ways to leave your lover. Yeah, okay. It's just something like, I, 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 you know, the song, and I just come kind of, oh, what's Marcel's take on this? It's like, oh, there we go. And just started listing them. And at first it was just things like walk, <laughs> run, swim. And then it just kind of builds until it's something utterly ridiculous, like um, get 23... Train twenty three birds of prey to carry you away while dressed as a mouse at a fancy dress party. Yeah, uh, it's just really yeah. So I like taking it into the realms of the surreal as well. I think that's something you can always go with the French character. Okay. It's a fun thing so do. what things of your of your latest show when you've been doing this uh, the à la carte going and doing stuff? Yeah. Presumably you could use that as a you didn't. Do that you was true. Some... That was true. By the way, that's genuinely the show. That was it was ten dates of just going wherever people wanted me. But that wasn't a new show so much as you turning up and doing a gig in a it new place. It was a repackaged best of. Nice. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Spotted. Yeah. Thanks. Um, but you're. Well, I'm, go- that... I'm off. I'm off. I'm off on to. Oh, could, could you turn that off, perhaps? Is that? Is that someone, you, that's all right. Some, no, no, no. Is that someone texting me a question? You don't know how to switch. Oh, I fucking know how to switch it off. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. But there's a young, uh, yep. there's a man next to you who's a friend of mine who works in computers. I'm sure he can sort your knocker. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm sorry on, you were saying. Well, basically, I'm off on tour in autumn. That's this autumn, UK tour. Um, and I wanted to do, basically I wanted to do a best of but I didn't want to do the cheesy thing of doing a best of in Edinburgh it just seems a bit of a cop out so I thought I'd at least do a new concept and I got to then go and try out a lot of old stuff that I wanted because I'm doing it the tour is kind of a best of of the sure. last three or four shows so I'm just trying out a load of stuff that I hadn't done for a while throwing okay. in a bit of new bits as well and so what decisions when you put an hour together a new hour or a best of hour when you decide to not use a piece of material why is that? Because obviously you can sort of go, okay, that's my best bit there. That's a good bit there. Decisions that I'm just talking about, specific decisions you've made when assembling something. What sort of reasons are there for taking a piece and going, okay, it works, but but no for some reason. What I do with a Marcel show, with a full Marcel show, because it's such a low energy character, I won't, you know, it's hard doing an hour of just low energy, you know, in a hot room. It's kind of, so I find ways of just, the, the, the energy's never going to change. So I'll just find ways of mixing it up. So that's why I do the songs and the poems and the set pieces. And so I'll cry, if I've got a concept that I think really should work and it doesn't work as stand up, I'll then just try it as part of an autobiographical reading or sure. I'll try it as part of a, a song or whatever or okay. I just got one, I was just I was thinking I was gigging up in Newcastle 
and I, uh, there was a continental uh, breakfast and the word, the phrase continental breast fest just came into my head and made me laugh over breakfast and that became a song. I thought there's, there's no other way of making that. I just made it into an entire song. Okay. Which okay. was really vulgar and silly. <laughs> and it involved me throwing croissants at the crowd and toast and then faking to throw a plate at them. And you, I've seen you work in environments all i saw you in uh, australia earlier on uh, earlier on this year in adelaide and were you in melbourne as well this year not this year not this year but, yeah. but you're you seem committed to doing an incredible volume of of things of output you've got a lot on the go yeah so do you use any particular kind of how do you motivate yourself to do all that given that you know as most stand-ups feel you feel you're quite lazy you still chuck out a lot of stuff. Well, the motivation, you've just you've nailed it on the head there, is to be able to go to Australia in January and be smug at everyone freezing their tits off back home. It's, uh, the, the it was Australian... a great year for it this year, wasn't it? It certainly was. was. So we unhappy were, in Britain. You were four months out of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so the, the, the Australian festivals are wonderful. And, it's, and that's the thing, Edinburgh, as Edinburgh Fringe has been great. It's cost me a lot of money over the years, but it's opened up all these avenues. I found myself just going all over the world and just going, you know, I think every comic does this. It just looks at this and goes, this is ridiculous. How am I getting away with this? I just always feel like I'm, I will always feel like I'm I getting always away want, with it. At that point, I always want to just produce a button and just go whoop, whoop. And as soon as you do that, we go, you can no longer get away with that. And the police come in and we take your career to bits and we go, yep, you, you shouldn't have said that. But I will always feel like I'm blagging it and like, and like I'm getting away with it. And it's just this constant thing like, well, I've got to keep, you know, I've got to keep earning this this lifestyle and this kind of and and and, and make I'm being proud of what I do and and, be, and just making myself laugh. I've always been like a massive comedy fan. I've always been passionate about does comedy. It, does it not? I don't want to let comedy down. Sure. Okay. Oh, that's oh, that's comedy's given me this lifestyle. Comedy has given me this this wonderful opportunity, which is not a proper job. You at all. seem like one happy bastard. Now, yeah. as you'll know, what I as normally a, the do polar opposite of Marcel. As I say, if you're going to do a character, what I normally do on this show is try to find out whether people are secretly uh, crying on the inside, and if they're not, I try and convince them that they are. But you <laughs> bring it on. You seem. I'll, I'll put Marcel on you. You seem an incredibly well balanced, happy person. Yeah, I'm from. Um, well, I'm from like you know middle class background from Buckinghamshire, and I kind of my parents were always perfectly happy for me to do what I wanted. And Dad always was a big uh, comedy fan, watched a lot of Hancock, and mm. maybe watched Two Ronnies and Monty Python and that sort of thing. So it's his fault. He, yeah, but he no, he instilled it all into me and the love of comedy, and it's just uh, yeah, it's something I've, I've sort of always always wanted to do, and I've ended up doing it. And do you find do you find problems with like the, one of the things I does my head in is the isolation, travelling on your own. Do you are you just quite happy? None of those things frequently. Quite like it. I was what quite a often. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could I could quite often be quite a solitary kid. So I kind of I kind of got to like my own company. I was kind of uh, I was I suppose a bit odd at school. I was a bit um, uh, I was always always a bit of an in betweener sort of school. I was always a definite sort of yeah. One mm. of them, um, and so I had sort of. What do you mean by oh, like the in betweeners? You mean? Yeah, I guess so. As in, I was definitely never a cool kid. Yeah. But I was never sort of full on geek kid. So I was kind of sort of in between. There were a little group of us that used mm. to um, at lunchtime. We'd always used to back when Radio One had comedy on. Had like mm. Lee and Herring and had uh, um, Alan Parker, Urban Warrior, and all those shows. We always used to record those, and someone would bring in a cassette, and we just pop it on, and we just listen to radio comedy uh, at lunchtime. And it was, and just laugh our tits off, and all that sort of kids just sort of wondering what all the laughter is coming from this little room, just like oh, weirdos. But it was lovely, and that's so. It's all, I've always, yeah, I've always sort of had a passion for it. And the best thing was at that little group of, of us, there were a whole about five or six of us that would just make little stupid films and, and yeah. make each other laugh and listen to these tapes. When we started running uh, the club in, in London Bridge, Falling Down With Laughter, there was a night where we had on the bill, Stuart Lee, Kevin Eldon, um, Trevor Locke, uh, and someone else. And it was just a really amazing night of comedy from these, from our heyday, of the, the tapes that we used to listen sure, to, all sure. our comedy idols. And we, me and Cy Thomas, another comic, we, we were best mates. We lived in the village next door to each other. I've known him all my life. And we ran this club together and we'd set this up. And we had all our comedy idols down that we were just idolising back at school all of our schoolmates sort of just came along to this night, just going, like in this little 50-seat club, and we've got, that, we've got Stuart Lee and, you know, Kevin Eldon on the bill, and just, how's this happened? They all brought their Fist of Fun annuals down, and he signed them, and it was, oh, it was incredible. Geek heaven. Yeah, and for me, I thought that was the pinnacle of comedy. I thought it was going to get better than this, and now I'm going overseas, and sure. I'm doing it. It's, oh, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. I, we, we don't have long left, ladies and gentlemen. If anyone does have a question, feel free to put a hand up. I'll just need to repeat it for the sake of the recording. Excellent question. This gentleman says, given that he now knows your Marcel, if he was to go to your show, would he enjoy it as much now that he knows? Uh, do you mean, a, you mean a Marcel show rather than a me show? I like to think so. 
I hope so. There's jokes in there. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I, I've known forever, and, <laughs> and I love it. It still makes me laugh a lot. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I, I hope. Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be a different experience. There's always a different reaction when I do Marcel at character comedy nights as to when I do it on the on stand-up nights. Because there's that implication. There's this guy in a. In a it seems obvious. Like when you put him in a character comedy, now oh, it's a bloke in a suit, uh, you know, roll neck jumper in a suit doing doing sex poetry. Well, of course it's a character. So so obvious. It's so over the top. Such a stereotype. But you put him in. A- you are uh, you are all now on your honour that if anyone uh, if you're at one of Marcel's gigs and someone goes, is he real? You have to go. No, no. I saw a whole interview with him. It's all real. <laughs> you have to pass that on. Uh, any other questions? Do you ever take your act over to France? It's a very good question. I haven't dared yet. Um, I don't know if it would work. The thing about it, there's a lot of wordplay in Marcel. I love my words and I like, and, and um, it's the, uh, those obviously English wordplay and puns and sort of wouldn't translate to the French. It wouldn't work. And also I would have to do um, the whole set in French for it to be real. If you see what I mean, it would have to be, why would Marcel go to France and do a set in English? He wouldn't. There's no way he'd pander to that. You could come up with a reason, though. You could have something... You could say at the beginning of the gig, I've got an English TV producer in, so I have to do the set in English so you can see it. Yeah, maybe. Come on, don't wriggle out. Come and do it. (laughs) I should. I should. Well, I I, I really want to do Just for Laughs in Montreal, but they came to see me and they went, well, we don't know if a French act would work in Montreal. I was like, oh, really? But they sort of had a point. I mean, there are already, there are existing French acts out there and it might be a bit jarring to have someone coming, you know, saying he is French. We have to do it like, it always makes me laugh in Australia where in the Melbourne Comedy Festival listing, it's got brackets F-R-A after it and they go with the joke and they say, yeah, this is a French act. We're bringing a French act over Melbourne Comedy Festival. I feel that's guilt, but it makes me laugh a lot. Fantastic. Uh, Probably time for one more if anyone has one. God, I love you lot. Um, this, this has been top level questions for everyone thank you um, so the question there is I, I'll, uh, as I'll repeat it as much as I have it in my head um, uh, is that because do you feel that because you have an outlet for the negativity in Marcel does that contribute to your sense of being well balanced and or do you feel that being a well balanced comedian gives you an advantage a bit of both. I think it's very cathartic doing Marcel. As I say, I get out a lot of gripes and I kind of get out just a lot of... It's, it's, it's wonderful. I've, I've done shows as me where I've come to a show in such a, in, a, in a bad mood for whatever reason and I've had to do... like This year's show especially was a very positive show. It, was, it kind of ended up about my love for my, for my girlfriend and it was, it was about travel stories and heartbreak and, uh, you know, I occasionally go into that just a bit, uh, a bit low energy or whatever. As Marcel, if I'm in a grumpy mood, bring it on. I got, I've got an hour of just being a grumpy arse but in character uh, so I can let it all out I think it probably helps and I think yeah I think I can go to sort of darker places and be comfortable and be happy with it and be happy going there knowing that I am I think relatively balanced and do you think do you because something that a lot of people say versions of is that they take either their anger at bad reviews or resentment of other comedians or loneliness and turn them they kind of weld that material that energy it spurs them on further do you find that you the fact that you're happy and well balanced as comedians go do you think that there's maybe sort of less grit powering it or is it is it just that you're being successful you're just powered in a positive way I think it's becoming harder because I'm actually I'm starting to enjoy I enjoy this job more and more the more I do it but obviously the pressure builds to kind of do better and better shows but doing this character it's the, the pressure builds to do more and more Marcel shows as in make you know I've got to make this character a bit more bitter and a bit more miserable mm. whereas actually my life I'm just starting to enjoy more and more and sure. I kind of it's actually quite hard I have to sort of plumb the depths I'm thinking of just sort of um, getting my girlfriend to dump me um, <laughs> via this podcast actually if I may I'm just going to spread some shit about her and get that I'm not um, no, I, maybe I do need some more misery in my life to kind of get there but I, I don't know that my yeah I, mm. <laughs> it's it's a constant struggle to try and better yourself and to try and yeah do, do, do better shows and, and I think yeah maybe that'll be it maybe I'll just crack maybe I'll just have a writer's block and just give it all up and yeah I don't know we can't finish on that Alexis I'll tell you what I want to finish on Go on. Is a wonderful moment. Uh, I was doing a chat show a couple of years ago as Marcel. And I just want to. I just want to share this with the with the room. Um, it was a chat show. Uh, two guests on each show, and uh, Stu was my first guest on a particular show. Fire alarm goes off uh, it, halfway through, and it was in that middle room in the underbelly where it's the sort of spiral stairs to get out. The star, spiral stairs to, to get to get in and to get out. Fire alarm goes off. 
just halfway through, just, just about to finish off Stu's interview. And so everyone just piles out, trying to get out the door. Why is it taking so long? Because Goldsmith's there handing out flyers for his show. <laughs> To everyone trying to escape the inferno. So, uh, yeah. Do you know, I'd forgotten all about that, but that does <laughs> yeah. sound like the sort of thing I'd do. Um, you then completed that show We outside. completed the show outside. Ellis James had just run from doing his, uh, his gig from hell. He just had 30 rugby players in his, yeah. uh, in his show and had had a god-awful gig. And he came to just find everyone pouring out into the rain. It was raining as well. But I we, think, we, in my defence, I think I said something to you like, if you've got any stones at all, you'll finish the show out here. I think you might have actually. Yeah. You might have spurred that on and bless you. And we did. So we did it on the balcony of Pizza Express just above uh, the underbelly. Uh, and we, we finished it there. Just shouting, shouting to the crowd. So how's your day been? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> it's lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Alexis Dumas. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> So that was Alexis, who, as you can probably tell, is one of my favourite people to see doing so well because he really typifies the kind of work ethic and the personal ethics that represent the best of us. He's never anything less than enthusiastic and helpful and buoyant, and he's he's basically the opposite of all of the total dick elements that some of us find creeping into our personalities, thanks to this wonderful job. Uh, which isn't, of course, to slag off by not mentioning Alexis' material, because that is obviously excellent as well, as you've heard. So that's all for now. I've done all the thank yous I need to do, so I will speak to you soon. Coming up next, don't know, mate. Could be Proops, could be Millican Part 2, could be a frankly astonishing interview with Tony Law. You'll have to wait and see. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 